welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary. Happy Wednesday. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much for tuning in today. Uh, apologies, the voice is uh, a little hoarse. Um, called a wild hockey game. I was going to say last night. It was actually yesterday afternoon in Okotoks. It was the uh, second annual Minds Matter School Day game. The result wasn't great for Okotoks, but uh, there was over a thousand school kids there screaming their heads off. And um, so I doing play-by-play -play vocally competing with that and I, I I think the kids won so uh the, the voice is a little bit more hoarse than it is uh normally but um that that probably is fine anyway thank you guys so much for tuning in today we're gonna be looking at one team that while they are very good I still think is getting kind of slept on nationally we'll look at that we'll look at all of the Morgan Riley situation um and we will look at uh getting ready for UFC 298 finally um it is the storylines heading into UFC 298 and we'll close with today's ticket as always you can find me on social media Twitter Instagram and TikTok I am at primetime Klein, twitch.tv slash primetime PK and you can email the show couch potato diary at yahoo.com um I've plugged everything what oh yes like this video. It's very professional. Uh, subscribe to the channel if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening in podcast form, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. All that stuff really, really does help. Uh, okay, let's get into it and talk some hockey. So I'm going to do um, something that, you know, I think a lot of fans would get frustrated with. Yes, I know this team's in first place and they play in a major Canadian market. I don't think enough people are talking about how good the Vancouver Canucks really and truly are. And I get last night it was against Chicago, but I sat down and watched that game last night. And I was like, man, like, and again, it's against Chicago. So you could go, holy crap. Do you guys see Minnesota? But with this Canucks team, they are so deep and so talented and so dangerous. And I just think when we're talking about Stanley Cup contenders, we're not including Vancouver nearly enough. I think it's a lot of, oh, Vancouver might be there. This team's good. This team's really, really, really good. And the thing that it was noticeable to me in this game, they are, that this forward group is deep. And it's maybe not a ton of guys you would have heard of, um, but like the, the top line you would. They, they go out and make the big trade for Lindholm. He's up right now with Pedersen and with Hoaglander. Last night, um, Lindholm just straight bully Magna, just throws him into the corner, puts the puck in front, Hoaglander scores, after Hoaglander tried to do, like, a between-the-legs rebound goal, um, it, it was just like, oh my goodness, like, I, I didn't think Pedersen was all that noticeable in this game, he didn't have to be, this line was really good, and as far as top lines go, it's a damn good one, it's a really, really good top group that Vancouver has, and you think of the potential that an Elias Pettersson has. We know what Lindholm can do with high-level players, and Hoaglander is someone who for, I will go on to say months now, um, I have been banging the drum for in saying that this is a guy that the the Flames should be targeting if they were trying to make a, a, a Sharon Govich or now a Lindholm-esque move. Um... I don't know if they're going to now, if Vancouver would be willing to part ways with this guy. 
just based on how well he fits with a Pedersen and with a Lindholm. And then you look at the second line, um, it was Miller and Besser who were great. And this is a spot where I think that they can maybe add. And uh, honestly, it's probably the spot where they're hope like best case scenario, they're hoping Phil Kessel can come into. That might be hoping for a little bit much. Like, hey, I know you haven't played all year. Come in and fix our second line. Not that anything's fixing. Besser is amazing. That, that shot is one of the best in the league. And they have a motivated JT Miller this year. Um, he had a bit of a, your controller has been disconnected moment on defense. That that led to, I think it was just a chance. It may have been a goal, but Myers goes flying with reckless abandon over to the corner to try to break up a pass. It gets thrown in front. Miller is the last line of defense and just straight fucking missed it. Um, that led to a, a chance in front. But offensively, like he has been great. I thought, and maybe this is just, I popped in and noticed it, but I thought Suter really struggled on that, that second line. It felt like anytime Vancouver had things going and he touched the puck, it kind of just stopped for them last night. So if they are looking, it's uh, 45 minutes to the deadline, they've made their big move. Now let's go out and add something else. That that would be the something else that I would try to acquire if you were, if you were Vancouver. This third line is what is really the oh shit, they could be something line. It's it's Joshua Bluger and Connor Garland, he of the trade request earlier this season. They have a chemistry right now that is just like, it's it's a, a chemistry we haven't seen in Vancouver since the Sedins, basically. Over-exaggerating a little bit for point. Um, or hyperbole, for those of you sophisticated folk. But this group, they can fly. Um, Garland has all the finish in the world. We've always known that. The guy could score. Um, he kind of needs guys to help him score, and now he has guys to help him score. Bluger was pretty good in this game, but Joshua and Garland were flying, and it was just tape-to-tape passes all along, and they're starting, like, again, it's Chicago, but they were kind of playing with their food on one. Garland had a break, and Mrazek was obviously so focused I don't know if, if Joshua, I need to see more of an overhead look. I don't know if Joshua came in late or what it was, but we didn't see him on the, um, the, the TV broadcast. And Garland's in, and it's basically a breakaway. And then he passes it off to Joshua. Mrazic, as only he can do, just <gasps> across to try to make the, the save. And Joshua passes it right back. And Garland could have like flipped his stick over and used it as a pool cue to pop the puck into the net. It was wide open, but they are just, they're on another level right now, this third line. And this is where I think Vancouver has a real opportunity um, because this group is just so good. And maybe they won't be for all. Like maybe like they're, they're, these are not household names for a reason. Maybe that there is just a bit of a, a consistency, consistency factor. But for right now, this, this line means that they have three very solid lines. And that fourth line, of um, DiGiuseppe, uh, Lafferty, and Mikheyev. That's one of the better fourth lines you'll see in the NHL. And again, they can fly. Mikheyev's maybe lost a bit of a step, but he's still very quick. And Lafferty is really good as well. And they just, they did what they were supposed to do in this game. And this is where the Canucks had their success when they were having success back in 2011 and, you know, that era. It was, like, it was obviously the Sedins, right? Like, that, that was a huge part of it. And it was obviously Luongo, who they kind of got that guy now in Demko. But it was also the depth of that team. And they went out at that deadline and added the, I think they added Higgins to that one. They definitely added Lapierre at that trade deadline. And that just, it spread out the roster so well. And that's what this group is now. The blue line is a bit of a different story. Hughes and Hronick are phenomenal together. They really are. After that, I do think it falls off. And I know Zadorov wasn't in the lineup for this game, but I... You guys know my thoughts on Zadorov. I don't think he adds a whole lot. I think they need one more guy. 
And that's why they have been involved in the Tanev conversation. And probably why Tanev was part of the conversation going into this, um, going into the Lindholm trade. They need another guy on that blue line, I think. And probably not a significant amount of depth, but a couple more depth pieces. Players get hurt in the playoffs all the time. But this Vancouver team, with the goalie they have in Demko, who he faced his first shot with 29 seconds left in the first period, didn't get a great look at him. A game against Chicago is not one where you test the goaltender. But this team is for real. And we need to start talking about them as if they are for real. Not a piece away, not a whatever. The only reason we're not believing the Vancouver Canucks can win the Stanley Cup with this group is because we haven't seen it yet. That's the only reason. This team has all of the talent and maybe more that you could need to go out and win, uh, win a Stanley Cup. They have bought into the Rick Tockett system. They got the goalie. They got the superstars. Everything is in place for this Canucks team. And I, I think that it is wild to me that the odds right now, they're plus 600 to win the West and plus 900 to win the Stanley Cup. I think that is absolutely absurd. Um, also from the NHL, it is the Morgan Riley debate as uh, the suspension is five games. I didn't get into it last week because it was the, the Super Bowl stuff and I couldn't be fucked. <laughs> if you don't like someone scoring an empty netter on you in a certain way, stop them. That has always been my thing. You don't like a team running up the score, stop them. You don't like a team um, celebrating a home run, don't let them hit it. That has always been my thing. This is the hardest hockey league in the world. You should be able to, like, you should be able to celebrate when you're doing something well and be able to stop them if you don't want them to. Like, I just, I don't, I, I find it so hypocritical that the, it's, oh, little snowflakes can't handle when someone hits you with a weapon because they scored a goal in a way that I didn't like. Like, get the fuck out of here. It's so, it's so strange that when you point out like, hey, that's kind of assault when you hit a guy in the face with a stick is, oh, can't handle the tough National Hockey League. You should be able to do that when someone scores a goal on you in a way that you find unsatisfactory, you little bitch. Like, get the fuck out of here. It's, it's just, it's so weird. The stuff that you decide to be macho about in, in terms of social media stuff and in terms of the hockey discourse. Look, if I were uh, someone going in on an empty net, 100% I would consider that. I mentioned in the, the, the Vancouver thing, I would sit down like pool cue and just like knock the puck in. Like do whatever you want. It's the NHL. You, 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 people sometimes like, I mean, most people never score a goal in the NHL. Some guys, if they're extremely lucky, get like 50. So yeah, hammer that thing into the empty net. Go for it. Now, understand there are going to be consequences. And now I don't think that one of those consequences should be taking a stick to the face. Um, Cause that's, kind of insane when you think about it, but I have no problem with Toronto then trying to retaliate and going off and be like, hey, fuck face, could you not? Um, like, I, I just, sure, go for it. Like, I had no problem with what Greg did. did I had no problem with Toronto wanting to um, respond. They did so, I think, aggressively. And then I had no problem with the league suspending them for it. Like, yeah, Greg, you want to hammer a slap shot into an empty net? By all means, my guy, go for it. Toronto, you want to respond? Yeah, you probably should. He kind of showed you up there a little bit. Don't do it with a stick to the brain. But yeah, if you want to go in there, face wash, headlock, maybe drop the gloves and fight them, something along those lines, by all means. Just understand that while Ottawa's um, answer to what the situation, that had repercussions, yours do as well, which is a suspension. 
which is what they got. And it probably maybe should have been more than five games, but five games is perfectly fine. So yeah, I, I, I thought the defense of a lot of it was really, really interesting and a little eye rolling, but um, yeah, don't want someone putting a puck into your empty net. Don't be losing Ottawa and then don't give up an empty net breakaway. You guys, you have more people out on the ice than they do. Figure the fuck out and don't cross someone in the head ever. All right, uh, that's it for the NHL conversation. It's UFC 298 Fight Week. Let's get into the storylines. Always fun on a pay-per-view fight week for the Ultimate Fighting Championship, and always fun when it's Alex Volkanovsky who we get to talk about. And there's so much to talk about around this particular fighter heading into UFC 298. When you look at it, I still think this is one of the most well-rounded fighters we have, excuse me, ever seen in the history of this sport. And smart, technically sound, cardio for days, all of those things, yes. But the big story around Alex Volkanovsky, does he still have it? Is that still this guy? Because he is coming off of a significant loss in his last bout, where he got head kicked to high holy hell. And... You can explain off most of it, right? Short week, or um, uh, not not necessarily short week. That's NFL in me still. Um, but short camp, took it on short notice is what I'm trying to say. And wasn't exactly in fight shape leading up to it, right? Like he had been saying, like, yeah, I've been drinking like the week before the fight. So he's not exactly in primo fight ready condition. And he's going in there and fighting the pound for pound king. So you can forgive maybe a bit of a lackluster performance. But he is of an age, and he is of a time in the sport, and in, in just athletics in general, right? Like, they talk about, oh, this guy played rugby at 205 pounds. Like, okay, well, at some point, that wears on the body as well as getting kicked in the head. At some point, the miles catch up to you. And we have seen sometimes where a, a loss is very explainable, it's tough to get that ball rolling again. We've said it time and time again. Now... Fighters of this generation have done a better job of getting it back on track than others, right? Like, um, we kind of thought Amanda Nunes, yeah, maybe the, the role is just done. And she basically pro-wrestling squash-matched Juliana Pena to get her championship back. And if anyone's going to do that, it's going to be Alex Volkanovsky. But the big story coming into UFC 298, and the thing we're all going to be watching for Saturday night when they square off in the octagon, is what does Alex Volkanovsky have left? Because that is going to be tested against Ilya Teporia. But there's a big question around him as well. Is this too much too soon? And I, I know sometimes, and it's a, it's a crutch of mine, and I kind of figured out during the football season this year that sometimes it can get a little bit crutchy. It's like, oh, who have they beat? But you look at this, it's like, well, this is obviously the biggest fight of Teporia's career. Which it should be. It's a pay-per-view main event for a championship. And, oh, well, this is the, the toughest test. Yeah, it probably is. He probably hasn't fought... A guy who's number two pound for pound in the world right now. But the jump from Bryce Mitchell and to Josh Emmett from those guys to Alex Volkanovsky is significant. And so we can project how this 27-year-old is going to continue to get better each and every time. Because he has. He's gotten better each and every time he stepped into that octagon. And so you can say, well, maybe that you're going to get a better version. Personally... I don't like to book championship fights based off of um, based off of what it could be. I'd like to have at least seen it. But given how Teporia has run through some of the competition, I, I'm I'm not questioning if this title fight should have been put together necessarily. It just 
when you look at like, are you backing Taporia? It, it does seem like, man, that's like, it's one thing to do it against Josh Emmett. It's another to do it against Alex Volkanovsky. Again, one of the most complete mixed martial artists I think the sport has ever seen. So some major questions around both guys in the main event. And a lot of questions around both guys in the co-main event as well. In the middleweight division, it's Robert Whitaker against Paulo Costa. For Robert Whitaker, the question again is, how much is left in that gas tank? Because DDP kind of kicked the shit out of him on way to a title opportunity, on way to a title. So, for Robert Whitaker, he has long been, like, the second best guy in the middleweight division, and will go down as one of the best fighters 185 pounds has, has ever seen. He probably deserves more than being the Rich Franklin to Israel Adesanya's Anderson Silva. But now we are entering a stage where... Again, he's getting up in age, and it's been a lot of wars, and he's coming off a time where he just got soundly and thoroughly beat down. So, what is left for him in the gas tank? We will see. And for Paulo Costa, it's just, who's going to show up? Um, he's lo He had lost two in a row, and then he beat Luke Rockhold in not the most inspiring performance. And you go back like he beat Yoel Romero, and that's fine. That's great. How much was there left in Yoel Romero? And you just go on down the line and it's like, yeah, this guy, like you put him on a poster and people are going to show up just to see what it is. But at the same time, this is not someone who has found that form in a very, very long time. And so I, I almost view this as a, like if Paulo Costa wins, unless it looks different, I am going to take this as more of a knock against Whitaker than uh, a, a notch for Costa. And if there is a, a Robert Whitaker win, then it's like, okay, well, he's at least checked that box. Let's see if he can be a serious contender in the middleweight division. So there, there's a lot on the line in this fight. And overall, this is a really, really good fight card. Coming up on the show tomorrow, we're going to look at uh, other fights that have been made in the sport of MMA. And we are also going to look at uh, some of the key fights not on the main card. For, or not on the not not at the co-main event or the main event for UFC 298, and then Friday is going to be the big preview for UFC 298. So that is what is coming up. All right, one thing to do left on the show. It's time for today's ticket. Four-game ticket for you uh, today. We'll start in the NHL. The Florida Panthers taking on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, a lot going on with the Penguins right now. I just think Florida's a better uh, better hockey team. I like them, minus 128. So just win. Just go out and get me a win. Um, underdog play tonight is the New York Knicks taking on the Orlando Magic. I get the Knicks have some injuries right now, and Orlando has been lethal at home. Um, I just... The Knicks are kind of at a point, and it's crazy to say this about the Knicks, but the Knicks are kind of at a point where you just throw anyone out there in a Knicks jersey uh, with Thibodeau coaching, and you feel pretty confident about it. So we're going to go with the underdog play here of the Knicks, plus 145 against Orlando. Pascal Siakam takes on his former team tonight. It's the Pacers taking on the Raptors, and while I love my Toronto Raptors very, very much, might love Monty more. So we're going to go... Pacers minus three and a half over the Raptors. I think the Pacers are significantly better than Toronto is. I think the Raps are kind of in a free fall right now. The Scotty Barnes stuff is not convincing. Um, quickly, the, the jump from being a bench player to a starter has maybe shown some warts in his game. It, and they, they just lost some dudes. So... We'll see what the Raptors put out there tonight. Uh, and finally, Denver minus five and a half against Sacramento. Um... Uh, Sacramento played last night against Phoenix. Denver is Denver. 
Um, so I'm, I'm gonna, I get the Nuggets haven't really been the Nuggets in capital letters, but I think we're gonna start to see a push from them because getting the one seed is so important to this Nuggets team. So I think this is where the Nuggets really start to turn it on. So, uh, Florida Panthers minus 128 against the Penguins, the New York Knickerbockers plus 145 over the Orlando Magic, the Pacers minus three and a half against the Raptors, and the Nuggets minus five and a half over Sacramento. That is today's ticket. And that is today's show. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Remember, leave a review, subscribe to the channel if you're listening in podcast form, and also remember to like the video, subscribe to the channel um, if you are listening or if you are watching today on YouTube. Like I said, coming up tomorrow, focus on the Ultimate Fighting Championship, getting ready for UFC 298. Coming up on Friday, it's a Fights in Football Friday, off-season preview in the NFL, plus uh, we're going to be looking at CFL free agency and a giant weekend in the UFC, UFC 298, uh, full fight preview for you coming up on Friday's show. So thank you all so much for tuning in and I'll talk to all y'all later. I'm out.